All right, welcome to the Chronicles of Reddick. I am back behind the podcast mic. Very excited. I literally just came up with the name Chronicles of Reddick five minutes ago. Thanks to Stefan. We're I'm just I'm just thrilled. Um, a lot has changed since the last time I did a podcast. Uh, I want to thank all of uh, the loyal listeners over at The Vertical who uh, stuck with me through about 40 episodes, and I know you guys have hit me up on Twitter a lot asking when the next podcast was going to drop. Um, you know, I, I, I think Woj talked about this, but basically when, my, when I had my second kid last uh, fall and the season started, I just didn't feel like I had enough time to fully invest in the podcast. And what originally was going to be a month break turned into the rest of the season. And, um, you know, because of some things behind the scenes, I decided to switch over. And I am now on the Uninterrupted Network. I'm very excited about it. Um, I'm going to be joined by Maverick Carter in a second. Uh, before I get to Mav, I just want to say a couple things. Um, first of all, uh, the the big change in my life is is going to the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, I just signed a one-year contract, and I'm coming off basically the four best years of my career, and I wanted to thank all of the L.A. Clippers fans, um, Doc, Steve, uh, the entire staff, and of course my teammates. The relationships I've built over the last four years have been absolutely incredible, and uh, I've literally made lifelong friends in L.A., and I'm very appreciative of my time there. Um, I know maybe some Clippers fans and maybe some NBA fans may be wondering, like, you know, why did I not go back? Or, you know, probably there's some ignorant people out there that are questioning my loyalty. Um, you know, going back to the Clippers was honestly just not an option. Um, you know, I, I kind of figured last summer when, you know, they, they um, signed Austin and Jamal back. I mean, they basically had guaranteed $25 million in salary for this upcoming season. And uh, I knew they weren't going to really be able to commit financially long-term to having a, a third shooting guard at a high rate. That's uh, just unrealistic. You can't have 30 to $40 million at one position, especially when you're going to have two or three max players on the team. Um, so on June 29th, Lawrence Frank uh, was, was nice enough and professional enough to give me a call. I call it my breakup call. Um, he basically said, you know, we're not going to bring you back. And... Uh, but like I said, I have great relationships there and, and very appreciative of my time. Um, one more thing I wanted to talk about real quick before I get to Mav is my number change because people are freaking out that I'm not going to wear four anymore and I'm going to 17. Um, 17 is a very random number. Basically, I requested four. Uh, Brian Colangelo told me that uh, four was being retired. I believe Dolph Shays wore four, and uh, that was not an option. So I had to go to double digits. And 17 looked kind of cool, basically. Uh, so that's why I chose 17. It's, it's, a, it's a pretty random number. All right, let's get into the good stuff. I'm bringing on Maverick Carter. You all know him. Mav, what's up? What's up, JJ? Thank you for having me on the inaugural episode of the Chronicles of Reddick on, uh, on the Uninterrupted Podcast Network. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks, man. This is, this is great. I really appreciate you, uh, you know, asking me to be a part of your network. Um, this is... Super exciting. Um, just a quick question for you, man. Like when you and, and LeBron decided to do this a few years ago, what was the motivation? Um, I know it was obviously to, to be authentic and and sort of get the athletes' message out there. But 
But what was what was the other the other stuff that really motivated y'all to do this? I would say what the motivation was exactly what you and I discussed before we launched into this project that we've done that we're going to talk about a little bit about too, but the idea of telling athletes stories and letting the athletes really control the creative and the narrative of telling their stories in a way that gives fans a more insightful, more insight into how the athlete thinks and feels and what they go through. And in your case, it happened to be the story of your free agency, which is just fantastic and fun and interesting. And and we really wanted to be the place, you know, the HBO of athlete storytelling. We wanted to be the place where athletes want to tell stories. They come work with the team and uninterrupted. You can talk about it. I mean, we think we've built a team of professionals to help you tell your story as well as any other company in the world. When you guys approached me, I guess it was like six months ago. It was like four, four to six months I, ago. You asked me to be a guest on the podcast. I was like, sure. Right. And then I saw Woj was leaving and I was like, well, what are you going to do with the podcast? And that launched into a whole conversation about everything that we're doing and uninterrupted. And you're like, whoa. You and your agent Greg were like, I, we have an interesting story that we want to tell too, which is about the being the, the human side of free agency. Yeah, I knew I was going to be a free agent, obviously, and um, it was fast approaching. And the idea basically was to make a, a mini documentary um, about the process starting at day one when the season ends, going all the way through to when whenever I committed and signed uh, with, with the team of my choice. Exactly, um, which was amazing to us because that's exactly what Uninterrupted is about. That is a very authentic story to you. That's It's very insightful when fans see this. It's like it's the insight that takes you on a journey through free agency that lets you know that free agency is not just about following reporters and teams <laughs> and players on Twitter. It's more than just four years, 88 million, five years, 120 million, two years, 30 million, unrestricted, restricted. It's like, what does a human being go through <laughs> when they're deciding what job they're going to get, how they're going to feed their family? Yeah. What does their family think? That is the real thing. That It's literally one of the reasons what you – what we, you and I have partnered on and Uninterrupted has done with you is exactly what we started the company to do. It was the longest two months of my life, <laughs> from May 1st to July 1st. And doing this project was great because it gave me some breaks and it gave me some days where I was like, oh, man, I actually uh, you know, have something to do today other than worry about the rest of my life. <laughs> um, but I, I I agree with you. Like there's there's a certain side of free agency um, that is like hyped on social media. The whole thing. The probably the idea of someone like you know giving you a contract for millions of dollars. In theory, it sounds awesome. It sounds <laughs> awesome. But getting there. Yes, is is it's a it's a stressful process. It's, it is a stressful process. It's very stressful. In, in the in the piece, you talk about the fact that it's very cliche. Every player says it. LeBron said it. Um, you know, every player that pending their end of the season and free agency come and go. I'm going to worry about free agency when it gets here. I'm going to worry about free agency when it gets here. But we all know that's bullshit. It's bullshit. It's total bullshit. Yeah. The you second, think about the it? second your season ends, the year before your contract year. So like, so wait, wait. So, if you so like, let's say you have a four year deal, all guaranteed. Yeah. At the end of your third year, that next day, you're thinking about free agency. <laughs> so that's like that's like 14 months that you have to think about this. It, I'm sorry, it is. It's of course because every is. guy you you want 
some level of certainty, and and that's really we're going to talk about this later about the the one you're dealing with Philly. I think that the frustrating part of sort of being on short term deals, you want certainty in your life, of course. And then when you sort of add in the external factors, such as in my case a wife and kids, it can complicate things. And we really get into that uh, in the documentary. Absolutely, we definitely get into that, which is the most amazing part. Where I think fans are going to be like, "Wow, this is." different than I thought free agency was about and you're also a special person because you have a lot of ups and downs and you you think a lot you <laughs> yeah. think overthink yeah. think too much can't stop thinking 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 and you're like you're watching everything that's going on you know the market you know the teams you know for a 22 year old single guy I'm sure free agency is a bit different but for you your career with a wife and two kids and a thinker like you I think fans will be surprised to see you really freaking out and going through these ups and downs. There's some points where you're like, oh, yeah, this is going to be great. I'm going to be, I'm going to do great. I'm going to get exactly what I want. And then some, there's points in the doc where you're like, shit, I could end up overseas. I could end up playing for Barcelona or Real Madrid. Should I just do that? Should I do that? Which is very I, interesting to me. I had the same thoughts before the NBA draft that I would end up overseas. I really, I mean, even on my rookie deal, I was like, oh man, I'm going to play in Russia. I'm going to Russia soon. This is, this is really going to work out like this. Um, the documentary can, is coming out tomorrow. Absolutely. And hopefully this podcast will be a regular thing and will be coming out every Wednesday, at the very least every other Wednesday. Uh, where can people find the podcast? People can find the podcast. It'll always be available on uninterrupted.com and then also obviously in the Google Play and iTunes uh, podcast store to listen to the Chronicles of Reddick. I'll be tuning in for sure because I love your thinking, overthinking, very insightful thinking that you do on your show. It's like it's like sports NPR a bit <laughs> with with some funny quirkiness. Going back to the overthinking thing, I, I was thinking about this. Like I <laughs> going I, back I, to the I, overthinking I, thing. I was I'm, thinking I'm I, I'm I might be addicted to information. I'm I'm addicted to information and and. In regards to free agency, like on May fifteenth, around May fifteenth, so six weeks out, I just I would like would start refreshing my Twitter feed all the like time, four or five times every hour, oh just gosh. over and over. Like, what is happening May fifteenth? <laughs> there's nothing happening. Nothing happening. And then it'd be like, okay, now they're doing the draft lottery. Okay, now I need to really get into it. You know what I mean? Now the finals are over. Okay, now hoops hype. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. What's what's happening? Um, you know, I wanted to have a sense of 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 sort of the market and what was happening and there were different times in the documentary you'll see it and also in, in my own real life where um i i'm like am i gonna get squeezed here am i gonna get squeezed i knew with about 10 days to go leading into free agency that it was going to be a vastly different market than it was a year ago how did you know um there were a couple teams that you know i I had sort of hoped and wanted to 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 work something out with and you know the NBA works man there's all these back channel communications oh, gosh. and so much which people don't even know And either. it got back to me kind of what the other teams were thinking and I realized it wasn't really you know the terms that I that I necessarily wanted and so I knew Basically, like 10 days out, I was like, all right, it's going to be for the third time being a free agent. I'm going to go into July 1st having really no Certainly. idea what's going to happen. And I don't – I mean, maybe that's prevalent across the league. And it probably is. I think the majority of players probably don't know. 
but there are some guys who are like, all right, like June 15th rolls around, like I got a deal in place. Like it, 100% it's there. there. 100% there is. And I think to your point, in the in the doc, you talk about that 18 months prior to us rolling cameras, you were like, oh, I'm going to be a Clipper and I'm going to retire here. Yeah. But shit changes fast in the NBA. Like, shit changes really, really fast. It's just so interesting to me. And this summer was a special one. It really, because of the trades and Paul George wanted out and CP wanted out. And so you had like big stars wanting to do stuff, which changes everything too. Well, if you're sort of a tertiary player or a secondary player, however you want to define, you know, kind of guys like me, like your your market is sometimes dictated by what the stars do. Does a star stay and re-sign with his own team? All right, so maybe somebody that had cap space that was targeting that guy now has cap space for you. Does a star get traded? Um, maybe through that trade, somebody gets a draft pick and, and now they're they're targeting a guy that was at your position. So that eliminates a team. So there's all these things that can happen in free agency. And honestly, it felt like this particular free agency, those sort of 15 days leading up, there was all these things happening. Shit got crazy. The Boston-Philly trade, the PG trade, the CP trade. Uh, Chelsea, I think, maybe talked about this. I don't know if it made the doc, but I know she talked about this on camera. Like, they asked her, like, where do you think JJ will end up? And she was like, I think it's going to be a wild card. Like, to me, that wild card was Houston. Yep. Five days before free agency, like, I didn't think Houston was even a possibility. And then the the night before free agency started, I'm getting a call from CP, you know, telling me how much I need to go there. And so, <laughs> like, he was trying to get you to sure enough, him. like, something ha- it's It's a similar to what happened four years ago with LA, like, where, you know, Doc gets traded for a second round pick and goes to LA, and now all of a sudden, like LA's in play for me. Yep. So that was that was interesting, and and, and she was right; it, it did happen that way. Um, but ultimately, I did end up on on one of the teams that, that I pre- that I thought because you predicted Miami. I well, I I think on right early in the process, I predicted Brooklyn or, or Brooklyn Philly. Brooklyn or Philly, and Chelsea, your wife, yeah, obviously wanted. Brooke, which yeah. everyone will see tomorrow. Let, let me explain too, because you'll see yes. it on the podcast, or you'll see it on the uh, on the dock. But Chelsea and I have a an off season home in Brooklyn. We we bought it like two and a half years ago. It's been a long process getting it ready. We were originally in Austin for like three years, and then last summer my wife was pregnant, and we stayed in L.A. to have my second son in L.A. So this is really our first off season in Brooklyn. So in the documentary, you know, we make the move from L.A. to Brooklyn. And I'm not making that move because I think I'm going to go play for the Nets. I'm making that move to go to my off-season home. That's that, that, let me just clarify that. Now, and Chelsea... She, and you guys live there because of what? Chelsea has a twin sister, Kylie, and, and her husband, Hattie. They're getting ready to have the first kid. Um, the four of us are all just best friends. And Chelsea and Kylie, obviously, are very close. They're twins, and they wanted to be... Close Back on the same coast, yep. and and at least for four or five months out of the year during the off season, we could be neighbors and you know have Sunday family dinners and all that stuff. Absolutely. And so Chelsea was all into Brooklyn, but how? If I ask Chelsea, what seed was Brooklyn last year in the playoffs? <laughs> Do you think she'd give me a number? Would she say like five or six? Would she just you guess? know what? 
that's a question she would know. She'd probably be like, they're the worst team in the league. Oh, she knows that. <laughs> I think she knows that they they weren't okay, very good, good last year. And how many does she know how many players? Any she players? couldn't name a player on the team. The coach? She couldn't name the coach. I love that. That's the part <laughs> that we wanted to show. Like, for you, you know every player, every yeah. player's contract, the coach, yeah. the GM. She wants you to go to Brooklyn because she thinks that's what's best for the family. That's a dynamic that people don't understand athletes go through. Like, every other and, person, there's what the person who's going for the job thinks is the best job and the money and this. And then the person, whether it's the wife or whoever, is going, well, what's best for the family? Let's And I love Chelsea says it in the doctor's line where she goes, it might be time for JJ to take one for the team. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was hoping she was half kidding, but the more I watched that clip, <laughs> I realized she's dead serious. No, that, that, that pressure from her was real. Um, it, it was a real pressure. The Brooklyn thing. The Brooklyn thing was a real pressure, yeah. and I get why. Um, you know, for her, we we've moved a lot. Um, you know, we had a very. I, I felt like we had a very stable life in Orlando. And uh, so we how started. Many years da- ago we was started that? dating my my beginning of my third year there. We were engaged after like a year. We got married the next year. We were together as a married couple there for three years, living in the same like two bedroom apartment. Um, and then, for, you know, from February of 2013, we get traded to Milwaukee. I sign with LA. She gets pregnant. We go to Austin. We sell our Austin house. We buy in New York. We switch rentals a couple times. How many storage? We had a second kid. How many storage units in between, in that time? <laughs> well, we had one in Brooklyn. We still have one in Orlando. <laughs> I don't. I think her wedding <laughs> dresses and all our all our wedding gifts. Do you even like, know what's in that one? No, I think no, I do know my like my wooden trophy, like my my college trophies are in there. This is gonna sound weird, but Coach K or someone got us like monogrammed wine glasses. He's like oh, a big. Oh, that's cool. He is a big wine guy. He's a big wine guy, and uh, I think there's like eight boxes of of wine glasses. There. <laughs> We never used them. And then you had one in Austin. One in Austin, uh, one in Brooklyn, one in Orlando. And then, you know, we had we had our place in L.A., which then we moved out of. Um, so, yeah, so I think, you know, because of all that change, and, and when you really add, I mean, having kids is the biggest change you can have in life, period. I don't care what you say. So when you, you add all that in, um, it, it doesn't create a stressful environment, but it, it, it gives you that unsettled feeling. And I think for her, it was like, all right, we're moving to Brooklyn. We're going to move into our apartment finally. And, you know, it'd be great if you signed a long-term deal with Brooklyn. <laughs> but the th- and, and Brooklyn did offer me a contract, which was a, a nice offer and everything, but it just, it wasn't long-term. Yep. And so, I, you know, if it was going to be Brooklyn for me, you know, I really wanted that to be on a long-term thing. I'll, and I talk about this, like I wanted stability and so the one year That's the thing you with wanted the Philly, most. I wanted stability more than anything. And, you know, there's all these reports, like, going back to last season, like, you know, J.J. wants 16 to 18, and then after the season there was a report in L.A. Times from Brad Turner, J.J. wants 18 to 20 a year. Like, first of all, I don't, I didn't want any of that. Like, I don't even care. Like, I wanted more years. That was the most important thing to me. Was years to is the year. most important thing for you. For sure. At and this age and your stage in your career, you need yeah, stability. Right. I wanted years, even if I had to move my family, let's say, to Houston or let's say to Minneapolis. Like, I just wanted to be on a longer deal and, and so where they could, you know, feel stable. And I would was more than willing to take less than whatever number was reported. I, I certainly wasn't expecting a f- like a four years at twenty three a year. Of course, <laughs> you know of I course. knew <laughs> I knew. Like I told Chelsea before free agency, there was like this sliding scale sort of. You know, as the years go up, the, the salary goes down, down, and vice versa. Yep, exactly. And she, you know, for her, 
the stability is all about family. For you, it's about your career at your age and, and also about family. But but you talk in the doc about kind of what you call 30-30-10, like winning, salary, fit, and family. But you obviously, and you have to, like anyone else, take into consideration what family is thinking and doing and kids are going to grow up and where they're going to grow up in schools as you're thinking about what team am I going to play for? <laughs> Which is, it's not easy to go through all that. I, I do think the older you get as an NBA player and when you add family into it, it creates a, an interesting dynamic. And for a younger guy um, who's maybe you know coming off his rookie contract or even like a shorter deal on his second contract and he's 25 or 26 – you know, you 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 don't have as much. You know, even when we were just married with no kids, like I can remember, we were twenty eight and twenty seven last time, and it was like, let's go on an adventure together. Yeah, of course. And originally, we were going to go to Minnesota, and then Doc came in at the last minute, and I ended up in L A. So like, we were all pa pa bags ready to go. I was already looking like apartments in Minnesota. <laughs> like, where, you know, where what are we doing? And it it didn't it didn't seem as stressful. And it's interesting because you know when I agreed to do this, like I wanted all access, yeah. and there's a there's a point at the do in the documentary where I sort of requested some privacy. Yep. And that was not my original intention, but there was really sort of no way for me to to anticipate the, the level of stress that I was under. And what's funny, Mav, is it's, maybe it's not funny, but what's what's ironic, I guess, what's what's interesting is if someone said to you, like, we're gonna give you a contract and you're going to get a lot of money, and you're going to play basketball. It doesn't sound very stressful. That sounds it fantastic. It doesn't I mean, sound very I, stressful. I, I would be, it seems like to me, as I was talking on my way over here, like I would probably be like in Cancun or the Bahamas on the beach waiting for that call. <laughs> like, oh, God, yeah, can I get another Bahama mama? I'm waiting for this call because I love to play basketball. I still love to play basketball. And if somebody told me today they pay me to play basketball, I'd drop everything I'm doing and go play basketball for a million dollars. But you're going to make $20 million to play basketball? That doesn't. Why are you stressing that? Why are you stressing $23 million because, to, to be, shoot hoops, what you've been doing your whole life? Because truthfully, it isn't about... It isn't about a money. Certainly, I, I, I mentioned salary, like I do. The salary is important. Like, I didn't want to play for the minimum. I didn't want to go to Barcelona on a one-year deal. <laughs> Not yet, at least. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's, so it, to me, it wasn't about sort of the money. It was about the fit with the team. I really wanted to go to a place like where I was like, all right, this is like a great situation for me on and off the court. I really wanted Chelsea to be happy. Like, that was huge. Um, so those were like sort of the things that, that mattered. It wasn't, and, and of course the, the stability part, like it was like years, like, like when I started getting these offers and it was like two years, two years, Ugh. one year, I was like, shit, man. That's, is that what stressed you out the most? You that was the years. It was the years. You, when you realized no one was going to give you the stability that you were yeah. in search of, is that when you stressed the most? That was when I stressed. There was this, this moment I... My wife had organized all these activities all over New York. Like we went to go see Hamilton. That I mean, she picked I talked to you free agency <laughs> weekend for me to go see Hamilton. Like Could I'm you enjoy it? Yeah, because I had already committed to Philly finally. But like what a what a weekend. But no, she had like Friday night before we went down to Philly for the meeting. We went to Fornino, which is this pizza place on the rooftop. Then we went down to Philly. We get back. 
um, Saturday afternoon, while all this shit's going on, like she had planned some other stuff. We went to a, a bar and then this uh, Cosme, which is this Mexican restaurant, and then we went to Hamilton Sunday. So I have all this stuff going on, and she was nice enough to get me a hotel room at this hotel in Brooklyn. Um, so I could like take calls, or if I need to meet it with the team, like yeah, I had yeah. space to do it. We so, see that in the documentary. Yeah, were so, you, you running around looking yeah, for a place yeah, to yeah. charge your phone? I'm literally looking for a place to charge my phone. But there was one moment that I didn't allow the cameras at, and it's um, I like wandered out to Brooklyn Bridge Park, and it was it was at the the, the point in time when I was like, man, I was like, I'm I'm not going to get years. And you have to understand something for basically 14 months since last season ended. You know, I've envisioned sort of this contract. And the contract, it wasn't about the second number. It wasn't about 50 or 60 or 70 or 80. It wasn't about that. The contract, it was about the first number, three or four. Yep. And it was about sort of taking me into year 14 or taking me into year 15. So at some point that afternoon, I'm in the hotel lobby. My phone's on 6%. I'm like... <laughs> I got to just get out of here. You're stressing so the I fuck I out. wander out to Brooklyn Bridge Park and I'm I'm laying on a bench by myself. I probably look like a zombie cuz I had not slept. Was it? it was probably like 3 in the afternoon. Got it. And I'm in workout gear for some I don't know why I was in workout <laughs> gear. But I was in workout gear for some reason. And I'm laying on this bench and it's like I think Mike D'Antoni was supposed to call me at 1:30 to like just chat with me and it was like it gets to like 3 o'clock and he hasn't called me yet. And I mean, you talk about overthinking. Like I, I'm at this point. <laughs> this is when I'm like, and then I'm looking. You know, of course, me. I'm like refreshing Twitter. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, he signed. He signed. Oh shit. So then I'm like, all right. So the money's the money's gonna dry up. Maybe it will be Barcelona. I, you know, like that's where there. that's where it goes to. It goes to those places. So Mike calls me, and then I, you know, I talked to him for a little bit. But again, it was like that's another thing, like about. It wasn't about the money. Like, Houston offered me more money than Philly. Yep. Total money. Yep. They offered me more money. I knew in Houston, like, I was going to come off the bench. Me and Eric Gordon do a lot of the same things. We were going to play some minutes together. He would get to finish some games. Maybe I would get – but it, it, wasn't, it wasn't necessarily going to be what you. I wanted at this point in my career for the court part of it. Yep. Now, certainly it was a contender and all that stuff, so that's, part of the, that's probably the main reason I wanted to do it. Um, so I got done with, with – with Mike and I go back to the hotel room because I can finally check into the hotel room. I plug my phone in. I take a shower, get out of the shower. I've got like two missed calls from Greg. And Greg's your agent. Greg, my agent. And he's, and so I call him back and he's like, I really think you need to move on this Philly thing. Yeah, he, In the doc, he says, you got, you got 15 <laughs> minutes. Cause you said, I need to call Mike D'Antoni back. Yeah. Why did you only have 50? And, and Greg goes, no, well, you got to make a decision I, in 15 minutes. Honestly, and you said, I at least need an hour. to. T can I talk yeah, to D'Antoni and then go talk to my wife? Well, I think it was one of those things where, again, it used to be. I can remember as a kid when Tracy McGrady was a free agent. I was watching SportsCenter, and this guy's like at a Chicago Cubs game. <laughs> like He's on recruiting <laughs> trips like college. You know what I mean? Of course. Like, let me tell you how free agency works now. If you're lucky enough that teams want to meet with you and you're one of the guys, you go to L.A., you go to the Four Seasons in Beverly Hills, you go up to a GM suite, you talk to him, takes an hour, you get done, you go to the next meeting. There's no – like Gordon – unless you're a Max guy. Like Gordon Hayward was maybe the only guy that year, did yeah. like the recruiting thing, yep. right? Everybody else maybe got a couple meetings in a hotel room yep. by 
July 2nd. So we're like two days into free agency. Pretty much all the money is drying up. Is gone. And, you know, most of the big names were off the board. It moves so quick now. Yes, it does. Partly because of Woj, but it moves. <laughs> yeah. No, but and, it moves so quick. And to your point, that all the back channeling and before free agency, right. free agency comes, a lot of deals and things have been discussed and hashed out. And and these so these agents and the teams, they're moving, you know, as quick as obviously Woj is moving quick, but like they're moving so quickly that as players, like we don't really have a ton of time. To move. To process. Even four years ago, uh, you know, Minnesota, I met with them day one. They offered me a contract. They said, you have 24 hours. By 24 hours later, I'm waiting on Doc to decide if he's going to trade Eric Bledsoe or not. And, you know, basically, Minnesota took the deal off the table and started negotiating with Kevin Martin. So that's how quick, like, that changed quick for me. And this time, Greg calls me and says, you know, it's Saturday afternoon at 3.30, basically. you got 15 minutes. I'm like, dude, it's a 10-minute walk back to my apartment. I'm not even with Chelsea right now. <laughs> I can't even go tell her. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I made it back to my apartment as fast as possible. Um, and this, to me, like, I, th- this weekend was so stressful of, of free agency because of all these sort of changing parts. And, and uh, you know, the, the, the one team for Chelsea, of course, was the Nets. That, you know, I, and I was certainly <laughs> interested in the Nets, and I, I, I love what they're building there. This is not a knock on them at all. But, like, once kind of they were off the table, you know, it, it definitely created a little bit of chaos in terms of, oh, oh shit. You oh, know, shit. You know, it's not going to be the next. It's not going to be the next. Now, let me ask you a question. When they were officially off, did you officially tell her? Because you um, know she was going to be like, <laughs> like, oh, shit. Uh, we, when, when I realized, and it wasn't like I had a, con- I, again, I didn't have a conversation with anybody from the Nets, but, you know, we kind of, we went to Cabo for, to celebrate our, our, uh, seven year wedding anniversary, like three days before free agency started. It probably wasn't a good idea in retrospect, because <laughs> again, I was on Twitter the whole time. <laughs> Who's taking meetings Who's with taking who? Meetings, so, yeah. uh, What's happening? But like, it was on that trip that we figured out it wasn't going to happen, and, um, we were getting ready for dinner that night, and like she, she was, she was in tears. You know, we were getting, wow. and you actually, you know, Ben Winston, and of course, very loyal well. listeners of my podcast know Ben, ben Winston. Ben and Mary, his wife, went to Cabo with us. We we went on sort of a couple's trip, and um, so we were getting ready to go to dinner with them, and like she's she's in tears, she's crying, and and I think that's that's. That's part of this, like, it's not, I guess, maybe stress is not the wrong word, but, like, maybe disappointment. Because, like, you know, there is a there is a pressure as a husband, um, you know, to make your wife happy. But there's also, like, as an athlete, like, you want the people around you. They're sacrificing a lot. Of course. And they're, they're with you. Like, your true inner circle, like, they're with you no matter what. And so you want them to be happy. And so that, to me, like, I knew... Look, I'm going to play basketball next year. I'm going to have fun doing it. I'm going to get paid a good salary. Like that was sort of that disappointment that I felt was like, oh man, like I I I didn't make everyone happy, and so, you know, and in a way, I you know, I'm not happy. Of course, and you talk about the fit, which obviously I played basketball not at the level you did, but to college, and people miss people don't understand that part. Like the fit of a team, it's rare. I would almost go to say it's impossible or I've never seen it done, a team, a dysfunctional and or a team who are not having fun with each other and playing with each other win at a high level. 
And I know you were looking for that, which is so smart because win, lose, or draw, you got to have, I mean, you got to have fun going to work. I mean, the worst place a person, not just athlete, could be in is like if you're not getting up every day and going, oh, I can't wait to get into work. I'm going to have some fun today. At least I'm going to see some people I like. And I think, you know, that's important too is just like that, finding that right fit with guys you're going to play. And you talked about it on the Clippers. You guys lost fun. And it's everyone watching the Clippers could tell that. No, yeah. None of you guys were saying it, but everybody watching the Clippers would go, this team isn't having fun. I mean, yeah. they're they're really good team, really talented, a collection of great players, but they're just not having fun. You watch the, you watch the teams who are having fun. You watch their bench. You watch how everyone reacts. Anyone who knows sport can watch you could watch you guys and go. They're not having fun. And the natural, you know, follow up question to that statement would be like, well, why not? Why are you guys not having fun? You know, you're you're playing for Doc. You're in L.A. You've got talent. You should be having fun. And at least for the four years that I was there, like, you know, you try to you try to put your finger on it. You try to like, oh, oh, that's the reason. Like, there's something off. And I could never do that. And you know, I, leaving there, I don't have any ill will towards anyone, certainly, and certainly no one to blame or anything like that. I think Chris in his press conference or in in the article with uh, Mark Spears the other day said it best. Like sometimes it's just, it just doesn't work, and you need you need to change. You need yep. a change in your life, and you wish everyone the best, and you move on. Um, I think they had six straight 50-win seasons or something like that, or five straight 50-win seasons because they had the, the lockout the first yep. year. But, um, you know, I was part of four of those. Like, you know, we had a lot of success. I think we were second or third best record over the last four well, years. Best when time I, spirit, yeah, yeah. Yep. So we just couldn't couldn't get it done in the postseason. Um, so, but, yeah, you know, you wish everybody the best. You know, one, one other thing I want to add uh, real quick about this process was um, – I, I think when I agreed to it, I was like, oh, this sounds like a good idea. Like, it gives people sort of the inner workings <laughs> of the process, you know, leading up to free agency and, and uh, you know, all the factors that go into it. Um, but then when it becomes, like, about your own life, it it becomes real. Yep. And, like, you feel very vulnerable. And I think that's ultimately, like, was my fear that weekend. It was not only just the stress, but, like, just the fear of like, oh shit, man! Like, I'm really disappointed. Like, I worked my ass off for the last four years in LA and and didn't get a contract that I'm happy about, and now everybody gets to see that. Exactly. Like that. That's that's hard to do. Like in theory, it sounds great. Like I'm signing on the dotted line, like a huge, co- you know. But when it got time to that point, it was like, man, I just. I, that's a great point. You know, I was watching. Have you watched the Defiant One Jet on HBO? No, I haven't. You should watch it. You'll really like it. And Jimmy Iovine, who's one of my mentors, has a great quote in there because he made, he would produce, he, in a lucky spot, guy that was able to produce Born to Run, one of the best albums of all time by Bruce Springsteen. My favorite album ever. Are you seriously? I'm dead serious. He produced it. Have you ever met Jimmy, by the way? I haven't met Jimmy. Next time you're in LA, let's go have okay. lunch with Jimmy, right. you and I. But he produced Born to Run. So the album blows up. He then gets another job producing this group called Foghat. I had never heard of them until I watched the fine ones, but he talks about that he was in over his head and he shouldn't have got this job and it was the wrong type of music for him. But he did the math and then, you know, as a producer, he got three points and they had sold three or four million. So he's like, shit, if they sell that many, I can make 800 grand. And he was thinking about the money, but really he shouldn't have did it. 
And he's like, you know, I wasn't focused. I was a kid. I even a couple of the studio sessions. I brought my girlfriend. I just wasn't focused. And I, he goes, I got fired. And this brings me to the point I want to make about what you just said, because that vulnerability that you were wanting to show and you got nervous about, he says, you know, I went back home and I was scared to death to tell everyone because in that moment, you assume that everybody's paying attention to your life, yeah. which is total bullshit. But, yeah. And I thought about when he said that. I said, you, you know, you're right. It's just human nature. When we, yeah. when you have expectations for yourself, like yeah. I'm going to do great this season and you don't, you go, oh, my God, everybody just saw me. You just automatically assume yeah. everyone's not living their life. They're only paying attention <laughs> to your life, which right. isn't true. <laughs> I, I, no, I totally agree with you. I, I guess it wasn't just like it wasn't the disappointment. Like I didn't feel like I would let people down or like I would be embarrassed. Like it wasn't about that. It was more just like that moment of like, of like catching that disappointment and, and not like even like people close to me, like those people seeing that, like it, that's, that's, that's hard to do. Of course. It's very it's, hard. It's easy do. for Chelsea and I behind closed doors of course. to kind of be like, all right, you know, this, this didn't work out the way it wanted. Of course. Ultimately it did. We're going to get to that in a second, but ultimately it did. But, you know, it's easy to do that and or call my dad and him be like, those are your oh, people. Okay. Yeah. Those are the people. Cause again, it goes back to what we were saying earlier. Like you've been having these discussions for a year. Exactly. You've been telling your dad, like, this is stability. This, stability. this is what we want. Yeah. This is what so and so seems like they're, they want to do with, me. you know, it's, there's, there's these conversations happening and then it gets to it and you're like, wow, it didn't, that didn't work out the way I thought it was going to work out. Exactly. Fuck. Fuck. Exactly. It's totally different. And now you're like, it's not just like I don't want to be embarrassed. It's like I just don't want to share this with with, the, with people. With people, <laughs> except for my people. Right. I get right. that. No, yeah. no, I get that a hundred percent. You're right, and that vulnerability is a human thing that we all go through. That's that's it's the reason it's great that you showed this because people don't believe athletes have those same feelings. You say it in the doc that that people think robot. That you guys are robots. You show up, you play, you get your money, and you go buy fancy cars and big homes and. <laughs> That's the end of it, right? right? People don't understand. You go through freaking out and emotions. and we're don't... Hu- Well, we're human. You're human. We have the same yes. emotions. We have the same thought processes. And ultimately, I did end up in the place that, that I wanted to be. And in my press conference in Vegas after I signed, I said this, but in the weeks leading up to free agency, the closer and closer we got to it, um, you know, I, I really wanted to be in Philly. So one of the things that I did... Uh, throughout like May and June, would I would I would talk to people around the league. Like as it got back to me, like so and so's interested. Let's say Miami. Miami's interested. You know, I would call friends that had played there. What's the culture like? What's Spo like? You know, what's so and so like on the team? Like how is that? And you know, so I was getting feedback, and some of the feedback I got on certain teams or certain players kind of scared me off of teams. Like ah, oh, maybe I don't want to go there. But the feedback that I kept getting about Philly was all really positive. And then when they made the trade and we're going to draft Fultz, you know, the feedback I got him was like all superlative. Yep. You know, high school coaches that had coached him, AAU coaches, guys that had coached him at, you know, the camps in high school. All these guys are saying like great things about him. And so I'm thinking like, okay, well, this, this may be a good spot. Everything I heard about Brett Brown, great. Um, so ultimately, I think that I ended up in in the best spot for me and yeah. again 
I didn't want a one-year deal, <laughs> but I'm not going to complain the about the one-year deal that I got. Yeah, so uh, you're going to a team now. I was thinking about this over with, with like four or five guys who aren't that far removed from like high school. Forget yeah. college. But first of all, let me ask you this because you, myself, and Charles had a bit of a conversation about this because she loved Brooklyn so much, the families in Brooklyn. Are you actually going to try and – commute Philly to Brooklyn what are you how are you gonna what are you gonna do as of right now the plan is for me to sort of linger in between (laughs) Brooklyn and Philly um and you know the 76ers know this like I was very upfront with them like about this one-year deal like it's it'd be hard for me to sort of uproot my family for 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 essentially nine months season starts in October and it goes to let's say May or June like depending how far you go in the playoffs so I'm assuming we're making the playoffs, by the way. Of course. But uh, but so it goes it goes for, you know, eight or nine months, and it'd be really hard for us to do that. Of course. We're going to be here post-career, so, you know, we'll reevaluate everything else, you know, next summer if there is another contract in whatever city it may be. But as of right now, the plan is for me to sort of get an apartment that's big enough for all of us to stay in when they come down to Philly. But they will primarily be here, and I will primarily yeah. be in Philly. Well, get you an apartment in a... And like a season pass on the Excella. Um, that's what I'm working on. I'm like, working on. Sounds like the the, <laughs> the train you, is amazing. The train is great. I've by done the way. it like three times already. It's, it's amazing. amazing. It's great. It works out fine. You and the conductor are going to become very good <laughs> friends. He's going to know. My you. guy the other day that was in the in the cabin with me, the the first class cabin. Like when I came on, he's like, "You again?" I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's me, it's be a regular thing, man." But I bet you there's a show. I'm sure there's a lot of business people. Who do it? Maybe every other day. I'm sure there's there's got to be business people who go back and forth Philly and New York. But anyway, you're going to Philly. That's it's interesting. It's like you and like five <laughs> high school guys. <laughs> it's a total different change, right? Yeah, because I've you know in Orlando, like I was the young guy getting mentored by like the older guys, like Richard and Hito Turkoglu, and even Jameer was like an elder statesman at a very young age, and so I was like always sort of the young guy. And then I went to L.A., and, and me and Chris are the same age. DJ is just a little bit younger. But those guys had sort of always been in L.A. So yep. it wasn't like – it wasn't my role in L.A. to be the older statesman, the mentor, the leader, whatever you want to call it. And so this would be a completely new experience for me. It would be absolutely completely – part of it is terrifying because I do f- – I, I want that responsibility. Yep. Um, but the other part of it is, I, I honestly like as you get older, like you need new challenges. Like the sure. new horizon um, is what is exciting in life, right? Yep. Uh, change can be exciting, but it's like a new thing that you've never done before can be really exciting. And so that 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 excites me. I know these young guys are gonna they're, they're gonna keep you feeling fresh for they're sure. They're definitely gonna keep you feeling fresh. <laughs> I mean, I was thinking You're about like organizing hear... like a like an Atlantic City weekend before the season, <laughs> and then I realized like they half of them aren't even twenty one. <laughs> Have them can't even scratch get in. that off. We'll scratch do something that. else. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna have a lot. You can't do that. Uh, you're probably gonna get very familiar with Snapchat and Instagram, yeah. and what's going <laughs> on in the world of like hip hop and celebrities. And right. um, it'll be interesting to see. You know, like I'm gonna keep up with you on this. <laughs> like on the road dinners. I've started like, following a few of them, like on Instagram. Yeah. Like, actually, most of the team I, I follow by now on Instagram, and like I just. It's just a different generation, man. Like some totally things, I, like some of the references, I just I don't quite get. It. I, don't, <laughs> I don't quite get. It. And not, I'm not like I'm like I'm not like disconnected. Of course, you're from connected like to culture. Culture, you're in it. But like I just that whole 
it you know it's like the true to me is they're this generation from like 18 to 22 like these are the true millennials like 100% these are the true millennials and i'm like you i'm i'm 35 i'm super connected to culture but there's just certain things i'm not up on that i miss like the music artists change very quickly there's a new guy when we were growing up, it didn't change so fast. There wasn't like a because these days you could you know you put a song out on the internet and then like overnight it's like a new person or a new thing it, it comes around. So you are now gonna you I may use you as my vessel to what's going on because you'll be in the locker room hearing everything new and cool and interesting that's happening with you and a bunch of nineteen year olds. I think Embiid's probably twenty one, Simmons is twenty, Fultz is eighteen or nineteen. So it's literally like high school kids almost. It is. The Sixers, um, when we had the press conference, put up a picture of me and Amir Johnson's jersey number, 17-5. And they had the caption, 17-5, same color T-shirt. And I was like, K-K-S-S-O, what is this? <laughs> like, I had no idea. So I started scrolling through the comments, and I'm like, oh, people like are, are like going back and forth on rap lyrics. Like, what is this? And I guess... <laughs> It's like a me. It's Amigos. It's Amigos. It's song. Amigos song. That is yeah. Amigos song. I, so, I, I watched Amigos and so if the a... Sixers uh, social media director is doing that, like, what are the Sixers players doing? Exactly. I'm so far gone, man. This is, I'm, <laughs> oh man, so much stuff is just gonna go right over my head. Oh, so much in the locker room. Snapchat, Instagram, Amigos, little Yachty, all that stuff is. That's what you're you're about to walk into. It's gonna be great. Absolutely, it's gonna be great. All right, and now we're going to be joined by Brian Colangelo, the president of basketball operations and general manager of the Philadelphia 76ers, to get his thought process and mindset in the days leading up to and during free agency. So let's uh, let's jump in with Brian. Brian, thanks for coming on. Uh, for the listeners out there, head into free agency. Just take them through... Uh, your thought process, uh, the owner's thought process, and the front office's thought process from sort of the draft and, and the in the five days leading up into free agency. You guys make the trade, you get the number one pick, you draft Fultz, and you've now got a ton of cap space. What sort of were the goals headed into free agency? What did you hope to accomplish, and, and did you guys get that done? Ab- absolutely. Uh, you know, when it, when it comes to putting your team together year after year. Um, you know, there's long-term strategy and there's short-term strategy. This this team has obviously been in a, a long-term rebuilding process, but uh, when I came on about a year ago, it was all about building. Uh, forget the word rebuilding. It's now building it up. Uh, so we, we really set out to do a few things over the last year, but culminated in, you know, preparing for the draft and, and free agency, you know, with – three primary objectives in mind. Uh, I think, first of all, you know, we wanted to enhance and nurture the development of the core players. You know, we've got some young core guys that have gotten an opportunity to play significant minutes. Some of them have played none. You know, you talk about Ben Simmons, who's come in and, you know, sat up the entire year with an injury. Uh, you've got Markel Fultz, who was acquired with that number one pick a few days earlier. But, uh, you know, these guys have not played, but we consider them certainly, you know, significant pieces of the core. And then, you know, you've got players like Joel Embiid has only played 31 games in his pro career, but has shown signs of being, you know, a star and a franchise type of player. And then you've got, uh, you know, a Dario Saric type who got significant minutes this past year. But 
you really everything was about enhancing and nurturing that core group of players and the culture around them uh, because we put a lot of emphasis on what that culture means. So the second priority was promoting the concept of winning, uh, you know, bringing in some talent, uh, critical elements like experience, uh, you know, leadership, skill set, you know, things that you represent. And uh, that's why we targeted you, and that's why, you know, we made such a point of emphasis to try to get something with you done. And then third, you know, we just wanted to, you know, it's critical for the team in our situation to, to maintain flexibility for the future as you go about building your roster and, you know, making other maneuvers to bring you to a championship-level program, uh, you need to maintain that flexibility. So by virtue of, uh, you know, to some degree extending a higher salary than normal to you, not that you're not worth every <laughs> dollar of the 23 that you're coming in for, um, we gave you a one-year scenario and, you know, paid a premium for that flexibility. And I think that, you know, it gives us, both the, the best of both worlds, where you come into a situation where you're wanted. Um, we bring in a player who's going to immensely help our program uh, elevate, you know, our winning opportunities, uh, bring in that leadership and, and the talent that comes with it. I, I just think that, uh, you know, you start looking at, at a decision like that and, and the decision that we made subsequently to a lesser degree with Amir Johnson, uh, flexibility was key. So we hit the three objectives i feel and uh you know it was important that you know we did just that you put a plan in place you sell your owners on it and you move forward and you try to uh, implement and execute and that's what we tried to do when i met with you guys um the first day of free agency or, or night whatever you want to call it um we kind of we 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 sort of ended the meeting uh in a very you know intimate setting it was like me um, you, my agent Greg was on the phone, um, the owners and, and Ned Cohen was in the room, but like you and I had this, this conversation, this sort of back and forth about, you know, the one year thing. And, mm -hmm. you know, truthfully, like I didn't want to do a short term deal. You know, I expressed that to you. Um, and you know, even people in my family, you know, fans, I think, I think there were some people that are like, wow, you did a one-year deal. Like that's sort of the opposite of what you wanted. And ultimately I, I wanted to come to Philly. Like that was the most important thing. Um, but the way you explained it to me, like just explain sort of why this franchise needed that flexibility and, and sort of the pains that they've gone through over the last four years. Yeah. The, um, you know, the, the advent of this process, if you will, everyone refers to it as a process. I, I think life is a process, so it's pretty easy to just, you know, apply it to pretty much every aspect of your life. But in this particular case, um, you know, they really did break things down to a point where there was a lot of pain and suffering. And, you know, had I raced out into free agency and signed uh, a number of long-term commitments, Know, to players that were good enough to help us win, but not good a, good enough to help us achieve those longer term results, which we aspire to win championships. It just was in, incredibly important to the organization that we were diligent and prudent in our spending. We took measured steps, and and this is a measured step. Um, and you know, quite frankly, I know you didn't want to 
pursue the one-year scenario, uh, but I was consistent with my message that this is this is our objective and we're going to stick to it. Um, I, I can't say that I wasn't tempted uh, as we were sitting there talking and, and trying to decide which direction to go. You know, quite frankly, I wanted you to give me a yes that evening <laughs> so I didn't have to get on an airplane the next day at 8.30, but such you made me get on an airplane and go to Los Angeles to set up a, a series of other meetings. <laughs> but but having said that, I'll send you a bill for that flight, by the way. <laughs> All right. Just take it out of my first but, paycheck. It's fine. Yeah, there you go. But but it's it's really when you set a course with an organization and you're, you know, in complete agreement across the management and coaching staff and then you sell it to ownership and the ownership completely buys into to what the thoughts are, you know, this is this is consistent with their vision, this is consistent with management and coaches' vision, and I think it's consistent with what the fans' vision and expectation is about the future. Uh, given the, the pain and suffering that has been experienced. But um, I'm a steward of the organization. I, I'm trying to make good decisions, and I'm a consensus guy. I, I make decisions based on consensus. At the end of the day, I have to go with what my gut tells me. And, uh, you know, everything led to going short-term, again, which is why, you know, a premium was paid. But, you know, I also told you that, this may be a one-year contract, but I don't view this as a one-year relationship. You know, this this is a situation where, you know, if if you come in and deliver on on what we expect, and if we deliver for you what you expect, there's no reason why we can't move forward. You know, in some form or fashion. You know, I, I've even talked to you, and I think I brought it up to you that night that. I can envision you one day, you know, being a coach or a general manager in this league, and there's no reason why it can't be, you know, with the team that I'm associated with. You know, so I try to build a relationship with players, and uh, it's been kind of my history that, you know, you give them opportunities, but you also, you know, put them in a position to earn future opportunities, whether it's playing contracts or, you know, management roles or, you know, coaching roles. And, you know, I, I see this as a long-term relationship with J.J. Reddick, not just a one-term deal. Well, like I said in Vegas, that's that's my hope as well. Um, you know, I, I'm hoping that this this uh, is sort of maybe my last stop in my career. I, I would love to to be here long-term. Um, and, and again, by the end of our conversation um, that first night, like I understood, I understood everything. And the way you just said it again makes complete sense. Um, I want to go to to Saturday. So Saturday of free agency. This is actually July first now, in the afternoon. And you know, I got a call from Greg Lawrence, where he's like, you know, you need to move on this Philly thing, yes or no, the one year deal. Um, can you just explain to the listener like how quickly free agency moves now? Because Greg was like, you basically have fifteen minutes, and I was like, okay, I've got to get back to Chelsea and actually talk to her about this real quick before I give Brian an answer. Um, and 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 has that has the 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 speed at which guys and teams are making decisions? How has that changed over the course of your career? I don't think it's changed a lot, JJ. But um, what what has been you know taking place uh, more recently with the flood of money in the market and what I will call uh, you know a, a less. Uh, robust group of players that you want to spend that money on, you, what you see is a lot of the money that is coming out of the gate quick and, and the big deals happen fast, and then there's a lot of players left without opportunity and without a scenario to turn to. I, I'm getting those phone calls now from agents that 
they see us, you know, holding back $15 million of space right now, and they think, well, you've got to add another player with that space. That money's burning a hole in, your, in Brian's pocket, and, he's, you know, he's got to spend it. You know, that's, that's what he does. But that's not what it, it, this is about right now. You know, so when you get out of the gate early and we, you know, talked at, you know, 12.01 a.m. And, and uh, we, I think you, you left at about 2.45. I probably didn't leave my office until about 3.45 that day. Um, and I'm flying to L.A. thinking I've got a meeting set up at 1 o'clock. I've got one at 3.30 and I've got one at 5.30. And all with – uh, people in mind that I was hoping to secure one-year commitments from. There was one other individual that I'll just leave nameless for now that, that I was hoping to convince on a fairly large deal at about the same dollar value that, that we were talking about with you. So when I got off the plane, uh, I had been texting a little bit with Greg on the, on the plane, and you know he said, call me when you land. So I'm in a car, I'm driving to uh, Beverly Hills to stay at the Montage Hotel, and my meeting's set up for 1 o'clock, and it's literally about, I think, 12.05 at this time. And we're having a, a general conversation and explaining, you know, I'm explaining to him why it's important about the one year, and he's pushing back, obviously, per your instruction. And, you know, we're going back and forth having the dialogue, and uh, at the end of the day, um, I said, look, Greg, you know, I know you want as much time as possible here, and I know you want to um, uh, go forward with respect to the, you know, the deal, but I've got a discussion that's beginning at 1 o'clock today, and I'm going to throw that same kind of offer on the table, and I have no idea what that answer is going to be, but if the answer is yes, and I don't have an answer from you, I may be inclined to, to move in that direction. And so I think that's what prompted the, the immediate phone call to you. I had a little bit more dialogue with my people because Greg was pinching me a little bit on some money. Um, he ended up doing his job by getting you a, you know, a, a bit more. And I ended up going back and selling the concept, you know, and making sure that I, I had the green light to move forward. So in, in a span of, you know, let's call it, you know, 12 hours, you know, I, I, or nine hours. I left my office. I put my head on the pole for two hours. I fly to Los Angeles. I get in a car, and I make a deal with Greg in the car on the way to this meeting. And I, I literally mutually canceled the meeting with, with the agent going forward at 1 o'clock. So um, that's how quickly things can turn. We end up getting the situation that we want. You end up with, you know, uh, uh, a nice premium on a one-year scenario, but hopefully it's the right scenario for you for many other reasons, as we've discussed. And then, you know, moving forward, I don't know if I would have gotten the answer from that uh, individual, but it would have thrown my whole, you know, day into a different pattern because even if that guy said no, I had another shooter that I was aiming and targeting that I probably would have given more then the second piece, so it's kind of like puzzle pieces. I give J.J. X, I'm going to give Amir Johnson Y. In this case, I was probably going to give that uh, certain amount of money, less than the $23 million, to somebody else, and then I could have spent more money on a big, which I had targeted. So it literally one way or the other was going to take shape within 12 to 24 hours and concluding on Saturday night, uh, assuming things went as, as planned. But uh, when you said yes, uh, that immediately triggered the discussion with uh, Amir Johnson, and we ended up and concluded at that number, which arguably was a hair less for Amir because Greg pinched me on the amount that he ultimately <laughs> got. So, 
for you. <laughs> so that's kind of the process, and it's moving fast, and you got to be quick and be able to make decisions. All right, so I owe Amir Johnson basically dinner for the rest of the season, is what you're saying. <laughs> it wouldn't hurt to buy. I'll keep I'll keep that in mind. You know what though? He's got residency in Vegas, so he's not getting pinched on the taxes. So he, he he's go. doing fine. Well, <laughs> Brian, I I really appreciate the insight um, into just the whole thought process behind free agency. Um, and uh, again, man, I know I've said this a million times to you, but I'm, I'm really excited about being a Sixer and, and can't wait to get to work with you guys. Well, listen, I, I appreciate it. It's a, it's a great uh, scenario, I think, you know, JJ, for you, and it's going to be great for fans in Philly to see winning basketball for a change. Uh, we gave them a taste of it last January, went 10-5, and five and the town was on fire. But, you know, right now, a sold-out building – and a tremendous amount of excitement is uh, it's brewing there, and, and I think you're going to be part of something special this year that uh, you won't regret. Uh, well, I, I hope so, too. So, all right. Thanks, Brian. Enjoy your vacation, Thank man. You. All right. Thanks. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. It was great to be hosting a podcast again. I'm really excited about this. Really excited about doing this on Uninterrupted. Look for the documentary to drop tomorrow. I will be back in two weeks. I'm taking my kids on vacation, and there will be a new show in two weeks. All right, Mav. Well, thanks for coming on the show, man. This was a, this was an awesome conversation. Thank you for having me on the show, and thank you for allowing us and Uninterrupted to work with you. We're, it's going to be a fun time. Everyone look for the doc tomorrow, and this is really taking you into the world of being a free agent. I loved it. Thank you for having me. We're in a studio right now, so we're drinking water, but... Cheers to new beginnings, bud. Cheers. Really Absolutely. excited about this. I'd also like to thank uh, Brian Colangelo for coming on. Uh, I thought what he said was unbelievable and uh, just incredibly insightful. Thanks again for listening. Uh, the documentary drops tomorrow. I will be back with a new podcast in two weeks. I will talk to you guys soon. Thanks.